As I said in the prayer, the topic for this afternoon is the fifth commandment, Lord's Day 39. In connection with that, we'll read two passages from the scriptures. First, First Samuel 24, verse 1 to 8. And the reason why we read this is uh, that we see how David actually honors the king, King Saul, even though King Saul was not behaving the way he should. So let's read 1 Samuel 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand. And you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. That's our first scripture reading. Then we will read from the New Testament, from the letter to the Colossians, Colossians 3, verse 18 to 4, verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. As far as scripture reading, let us now sing from Psalm 119, the stanzas 4 and 5. How can a youth preserve his way, O Lord? So I was, I was asked to uh, preach to you the gospel as it is summarized in Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism. So let's read that Lord's Day together. Lord's Day 39. <clears throat> what does God require in the fifth commandment? that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. After the sermon, we will respond with the singing of Psalm 34, the stanzas 3 and 5. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in our discussion of the Heidelberg Catechism, we have now arrived at the second great commandment. As you know, the first great commandment is, Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your mind. And the second commandment is, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is also sometimes called the second table of the law. But when we go there, we should not forget the first table. They are connected. Because how will we be able to love our neighbor as ourselves? Only when we listen to the word of God and by the power that the Lord provides through the Holy Spirit. In other words, when we look at our neighbor here on earth, we should at the same time also look up to our God in heaven. And this is also clear in the fifth commandment. I have summarized the message in this way. God commands us to show honor, love, and faithfulness to those in authority over us. And we will look at three things. First, what it means to be in authority. Second, what it means to be under authority. And third, how we should behave when we have to deal with bad authorities. So first, what it means to be in authority. Second, what it means to be under authority. And then third, what do we do when the authorities are not good? So first then, being an authority, what does that mean? And let's look at the wording of the fifth commandment, first of all. What does it say? What did the Lord, the Lord tell us in the fifth commandment? Now note that he did not say there, 
obey your father and your mother. The goal of this commandment is not in the first place or not only that we should obey orders. It's not about following orders, this commandment. And of course, obedience is part of it, but it goes much deeper. The Lord says, honor your father and your mother. So it's not just about our outward obedience that we do what they have told us to do. It's about our heart. It's about our attitude. Honor your father and your mother. And the catechism translates that with three words that I show all. Honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Now that is stated quite strongly. Note the word all in the first line. It doesn't say that I, generally speaking, should honor. It says that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. So when the Lord tells us, honor your father and your mother, he teaches us something about our attitude towards our father and mother and all those who are in authority over us. Could be the teacher at school, could be the employer at work, could be the mayor of town or the prime minister of the country. The Catechism says that we should show all honor, love, and faithfulness to them. Now, this does not mean that every person in authority has a similar mandate and similar authority over us. Everyone's position is different. The authority of a father and mother is different from the authority of a teacher at school. And the authority that a manager has at work is different from that of a mayor of town. And we could even say that a person's authority is not always the same. Our parents have authority to govern the lives of their children. But when the children grow up and become mature and independent, the the authority of the parents fades away. So there is a lot of diversity in the world God has created. Now we could ask the question, why is it that God mentioned specifically our father and mother when it means anybody who is in authority over us. Why did he really focus on our father and mother? And the reason must be that your father and your mother are the first people who have authority over you in your life. We are guided, we are governed by them, we learn to pay respect, we learn to love them before we go on in life and respect other people. But it's not just that. It's not just that parental authority is the first authority we experience. Parental authority is also, to a certain extent, a model for all those other forms of authority, if you think of it. Adam, the first man on earth, was not just a dad. He was also a teacher and a ruler of what God had created. The first family was the total of mankind at that time. So Adam combined many roles in himself. Later on, as people became more numerous on earth, we see diversification. 
fathers of large families, rulers of tribes, judges, and kings of nations. The point is, though, that all these other forms of authority, all these other people who are in some position of authority, they, they should maintain something of the fatherly character of Adam's rule. When, when God says, honor your father and your mother, it means that all authorities, to a certain extent, should govern those below, those below in a fatherly way. As you know, when the nation has a good king, they might say he is like a king to the nation. Or a good queen, she is like a mother to the nation. And a good employer who is involved with the lives of his employees, he, he is a kind of a father figure to them. Could, could be, could happen. And a good teacher too at school. A teacher who loves his children and, and shows interest in their lives. He is a kind of a father figure or maybe a kind of a mother figure to the students. When God gave people authority on earth, he did not mean to install tyrants. He, gave, he has given some people certain kinds of authority, but he does not want them to be authoritarian. So authority used in the way God wants it will show warmth and care for those under authority. This is something we should remember when we are in positions of authority, when we are parents or whatever position we may be in. The Word of God teaches us that all those who are in positions of authority are servants of God for the well-being of the people. The word that the New Testament uses for this is the word deacon. In Greek it is diakonos, translated as deacon. Now we know we have deacons in church. And what do deacons do? They are called to give leadership to the ministry of mercy, the service of mercy to people among us who are suffering from poverty and pressures. But the minister is also a servant, a deacon. He is a servant of the word, a minister of the word, for the benefit of God's people. And the government of the nation in Romans 13 is also called a servant of God for the good of the nation to protect the people against evildoers. And the teacher at school is also a servant, called to serve the students, and by doing so, serve the Lord. Sometimes the question is asked, would there have been authorities in the world if there had been no fall in sin? If Adam and Eve had not sinned, and if you were living in an ideal world, would we still have these layers of authority among people? Now, the question is, of course, hypothetical, and we should be careful not to speculate on matters we can't be sure about. It's interesting, however, that even among the obedient angels in heaven, there are ranks among them. There is Michael, for example, the archangel mentioned in the book of Daniel and Jude and Revelation. Another one is Gabriel, also a leader among the angels. So even when the situation is perfect, like among the angels of God, there are still some who are in authority over others. 
Now, when that is the case, even in an ideal world, authority is even more important in a world that is tainted by sin. Because now authorities take on even more responsibility. Parents are, parents are called not just to guide their children, but also sometimes to discipline them. Teachers are to love their students, but also sometimes to discipline them. The government is called not just to bring order to society, but also to restrain evil and punish evildoers. Office bearers in church are mandated to shepherd God's flock that is under their care. And that might involve rebuke. So the implication is that it's a high calling to be in a position of authority, whether you are a parent, a teacher, an office bearer in church, or an official in the government. Remember what the Lord Jesus said to Pontius Pilate. You remember that situation when the Lord went on trial before Pontius Pilate? He was the son of God, and he was tried by this earthly ruler. The Lord told him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. John 19. That shook Pilate up a little bit, because all of a sudden he was reminded that there was a higher authority and that he would have to give account. All those in places of authority indeed will have to give account to God. Government officials on how they have served the nation. CEOs of companies on how they have managed the, the lives and the well-being of their employees. Parents on how they have loved and disciplined their children. And for this reason, the Bible says a lot, speaks often about using authority in a good way. Colossians 4, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, let's also look at the coin from the other side. What does it mean to be under authority? Many of us have some kind of authority, for example, parents and our teachers and office bearers. But all of us are in some way under authority, maybe as children under parents or students under teachers or citizens under the government. So this commandment speaks to all of us. What does it mean then to honor, love, respect those who have authority over us? And here we are confronted with something that is really difficult to us. How often do children rebel against their parents? How often do people, even Christian people, speak about the government in a way that does not show any respect? I'm thinking, for example, about the way some Christian people speak about the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. But you see, as Christians, we are not supposed to honor the government only when we agree with all their policies. We need to respect them always, because they have been put there by God himself. 
Now, that does not mean that we have to condone everything the government does or says. We are even allowed to speak out against it. But we still need to respect the person because of his office. We need to salute the uniform, as it were. The Catechism formulates this well when it says that we need to have patience. The last few lines there. And also to have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings. It doesn't say that we have to condone it, but it does say that we have to have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings. This also applies, just to use another example, at a job site. You may not like your boss, and you may disagree with some of his decisions, but what did the Apostle Paul tell servants to do? Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Did you hear that? Sincerity of heart. We are not supposed to be faking our respect for our employer. We need to show respect, and it has to come from the heart, to those who are in authority over us. Why is this so difficult, brothers and sisters? Where did this, where did this rebellion start? What is the reason that boys and girls sometimes speak about their parents or about their teachers in a way that is totally inappropriate? What is the reason that parents and teachers sometimes give a bad example to children by speaking about the government or about the manager at work in a derogatory way? What is the reason that even in church it can happen that members of the congregation slander the reputation of the minister or one of the elders or that they just condemn all the office bearers rashly? Well, this rebellion started with a highly placed angel who became disobedient and who rebelled against God, Satan. And he is the one who encourages people to be rebellious. And the Lord Jesus calls him the prince of this world in John 14. Because the people who rebel against authorities in this world obey him and follow his example. If everybody follows Satan's example, then he is the prince of the world. Satan brought revolution into the world, and because mankind fell for his lies and followed his advice, the spirit of rebellion got a foothold in the hearts of people. Instead of honor, love, and faithfulness, the world came to be characterized by jealousy, hatred, and violence. Authority was replaced by tyranny. Obedience was replaced by rebellion. But thanks be to God. He put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And he liberates people from the tyranny of the devil and draws them to himself in Christ Jesus, his son. And once they have been reconciled to God by the blood of Christ... He also restores in their hearts a willingness to honor those who are placed in positions of authority. So we we learn to repent from our rebellious inclinations. And it's beautiful, 
A beautiful example of this, what we read uh, about David in 1 Samuel 24, his attitude and behavior towards Saul. David was being persecuted by Saul, and it was not right what Saul did. Saul behaved like a tyrant. He was misusing his power as a king by using his army to try and arrest David. David was a faithful citizen of the kingdom, and Saul was wrong in persecuting him. But David, on the other hand, honored and respected Saul. He resisted the temptation and even the advice of his own men to kill Saul when he was in a position to do that. Because he recognized that Saul was the king, that Saul was ordained the anointed king of Israel. And he said, Saul will have to give account to God, not to me. And I also have to give account to God about how I have respected his anointed. So David, what he did was he saw Saul with all his mistakes, all his wrongdoing. Then he looked up to God, and then he showed to Saul all honor, love, and faithfulness. And that is, that is following the fifth commandment. Many years later, there was someone else, someone greater than David, a descendant of David. He had no sin, and he also accomplished more than David. He did what, we off, what our boys and girls often find difficult to do, to show love and faithfulness to your parents. You know the story of the Lord Jesus as a 12-year-old boy in the temple when his parents reprimanded him undeservedly for staying in the temple. What did he do? He did not talk back to them. He did not walk away from them. It says that he submitted to them. And much later in his life, Lord Jesus did the same thing with Pontius Pilate. He recognized that Pontius had received authority to judge from God in heaven. And therefore, he submitted to his judgment, even though the judgment was unjust and unfair. The Lord Jesus did not rebel. And he did this for us in our place. And he kept and fulfilled the fifth commandment perfectly. And now we, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, are called to do the same. It is God's will that we should submit to those in authority over us. And when we do this as Christians, we will discover that this is a good arrangement that has great significance for the family, for the church, and for the nation. Blessed is the society, blessed is the church, blessed is the family, where those in authority receive proper love and honor and where those in authority use their authority in the right way. Now, this leads us then to the third part and the third question. What about bad authority? Do children always need to obey their parents? Is it a matter of orders or orders? In the army... Do soldiers always have to obey all the orders of higher-ranking officers? Or in the hospitals, 
do nurses always have to do what the management tells them to do? That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that there are situations in which it would be wrong to obey the authorities. However, we need to understand as well. I do not want the boys and girls here in church to go home this afternoon and say, the minister said that we do not always need to obey our parents. That's not what I'm saying. Let's go back for a moment to the example of the Lord Jesus and his parents. Luke chapter 2. It didn't say, it doesn't say there that he obeyed them, but it says that he was subject to them. He submitted to them. That means that he showed honor, love, and faithfulness to his parents, even though they were not fair in the way they rebuked him. And that gives us a guideline for how we should honor those in authority over us when they make mistakes, mistakes or when they are unfair. The Catechism explains this as follows. It says that I should submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline. So boys and girls are indeed supposed to obey their parents, even if they do not like what they are being told to do. But parents can also make mistakes. And therefore, children can ask questions and sometimes even challenge, challenge their parents as long as they do it in a way that shows honor, love, and faithfulness. Let's apply this to the authority of the government. The government. The Bible tells us that we are to respect and obey the government of the day, whether we like their policies or not. Now, you may not like the government of the day. You probably don't. Keep in mind that Paul was writing these things when the Roman Empire was ruled by brutal men like Nero. And Paul himself had stood trial before various rulers and governors, Felix, Festus, Agrippa, and he always respected them even though they were often corrupt. And the Lord Jesus himself submitted to the authority of Pontius Pilate, even though he was not a man of integrity. So, when Paul says that Christians should pray for kings and all those in authority, it really means all kinds of authorities. Some of them good, wise, benevolent. Others, corrupt, immoral, ruthless. It doesn't matter. We have to pray for all of them. So it's not easy to live according to the fifth commandment. But remember that this commandment comes with a promise, a promise of a long life in the promised land. And therefore, we need to say it strongly. Whoever does not show honor, love, and faithfulness to those who have been placed in positions of authority over us, they lose the right to life in the promised land. The Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 2, calls on Christians to submit themselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, to the king as supreme authority, 
to the governors, he says, because they have received authority too. And then he summarizes it all by saying, fear God, honor the king. It goes together. Fear God, honor the king. And then he also points out that this may lead to suffering on the part of Christians. And he says that is a commendable thing. That's a good thing. If we suffer under bad authorities, and if we suffer for doing good, and we endure it, it's then that we follow the example of Christ, who did the same. Now again the question. Can a Christian ever disobey orders from someone in authority? Yes, sometimes this is a must. There can be a situation that we have to obey God rather than men. This is what the apostles experienced in Jerusalem when the Sanhedrin told them to stop preaching, to stop proclaiming the name of Christ. They said, we want to honor you, but sorry. God in heaven has mandated us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must obey him rather than men. Something similar can happen even today. It can happen that in a certain situation, we have to disobey a command from someone who is an authority over us. It would not happen here, I guess, but it does happen in some places in the world that parents forbid their children to go to church or to read the Bible. That's what happens in some Muslim countries. And in such situations, children are called to disobey their parents, but they should still honor them as their parents. Another example, a soldier may come into a situation that his commander tells him to do something that would cause him to sin against one of God's commandments. Terrible stuff happens during wars. Think of King Saul when he ordered his men to kill the priests at Nob because they had supported David. That was wrong, that command. It was murder. And the soldiers were right in disobeying this order. They didn't want to do it, and rightly so. So yes, there may be situations that a Christian soldier needs to disobey his superior, but he needs to be convinced about it. And he still needs to show respect and faithfulness to his superior. Another example, a nurse in a hospital may come into the difficult, the terrible situation that she is told to give someone a lethal injection or to let someone die. We may see more of this in our country as well. Now, she cannot do this because it is against the will of God. So she needs to tell her superiors that she cannot do it and why. And again, she must be convinced about the case and she should still honor the authority of the doctor and the specialist. Brothers and sisters, these kinds of situations happen in a world that is tainted by sin. Sometimes Christian believers have to disobey orders. But even while we disobey we need to show honor, love, and faithfulness to those above us. It may lead to suffering. It may lead 
to someone losing his job, for example. But it may also help unbelieving authorities to see something of the world that God is recreating, the paradise that will be on earth. So no doubt it can be, this might be very difficult for us or for some of us. And we cannot do this in our own strength. If we are honest, we are not even always willing to do it. And that is why the apostles time and again say that we have to do this in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Slaves, honor your master in the Lord. That means in the strength that the Lord provides, because you belong to Jesus Christ. That's why you have to do it, and that's why you will be able to do it. If we are connected to Jesus Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit will help us to learn to live according to the fifth commandment. And when we do this, brothers and sisters, we will see the benefits and the blessings that follow. We will have a foretaste of that ideal world where there will be perfect order and complete harmony, the world that will come with Jesus Christ. Amen.